The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to C. diff spores and more with your hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. We're here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here are your hosts, Nancy Kerala with Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Welcome to C. diff spores and more. I'm your host Nancy Kerala. Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh was unable to join us today due to previous engagements. We would like to thank our sponsors, the C. Diff Foundation, for making this show possible, and we welcome and thank our listeners for joining us. Today, we welcome our guest, Dr. Nicholas Kartsunis, Associate Vice President of Clinical Research for Infectious Disease for Merck Research Laboratories and Section Head with MRL for Antibiotics, Antibacterials, Cytomegalovirus, and shares his time and discusses the past, present, and future contributions of Merck Research Laboratories. Dr. Kartsonis joined Merck Research Laboratories in February 2000 and has been actively involved in programs for new antibacterials, antifungals, anti-HIV, anti-CMV, and agents targeted against C. difficile infections. Most recently, he has led the efforts to ensure the integration of the Cubist Pharmaceuticals Clinical Research Portfolio within Merck. It is a pleasure to welcome Dr. Nicholas Kertsunis and Disease Merck's um, and discusses Merck's history in infection disease and their ongoing research, plus some of the company's current treatments, including Divisid to address the C. diff infections. Welcome, Dr. Kartsonis. Hi, Dr. Carlo. Thank you so much for including me today on today's show. You're so welcome, and thank you for that introduction. It's um, You can just call me Nancy. It's easier for everybody. Okay. And Dr. Um, Carzone, is for, uh, we thank you for joining us on this week's C. diff spores and more. And we are very interested in learning more about Merck. Would you mind sharing the company's history and particularly your history in treating infectious diseases? Oh, thank you, Nancy. So, um, Merck and Company, uh, which were also known as Merck Sharp and Dome outside the United States and Canada, is a U.S.-based pharmaceutical company that's actually been in existence now approaching on about 125 years. We were actually established by George Merck, which was a German immigrant, when he emigrated to the United States back at that time. Um, we've developed into a large pharmaceutical company and have had a very long-standing uh, commitment to the discovering and developing novel medicines in the global fight against infectious this actually goes back now almost eight decades to the 1930s. Um, it actually started with the development of sulfa antibiotics, including sulfamerazine and sulfamethazine, and that expanded back in 1942 when Merck assisted with the uh, structural elucidation and manufacturing of penicillin. 
So actually, the story of Merck's involvement with the production of penicillin to help the World War II effort is one that um, we are actually especially proud of. Um, many readers and viewers are probably familiar with the story of penicillin's discovery by Alexander Fleming that took place back in 1928, but few are probably uh, familiar with what it took to actually take that sort of um, serendipitous finding and actually lead to the actual manufacture of penicillin. It actually took nearly... 15 years after that, uh, that finding from Fleming of, of, of what penicillin was to actually develop the actual uh, penicillin from the mold. This was an incredible effort that was led by a number of scientists at Oxford University, coupled with the United States government, the Rockefeller Foundation, and four pharmaceutical companies, one of which was, uh, was Merck in that particular effort. We uh, were very proud of that because without that effort, um, the war effort that led to to World War II would probably, um, you know, have been a, a very different situation in terms of casualties without that, uh, that availability. Um, all along, Merck has continued to be actively involved with uh, infectious disease agents. We developed the first agent for the treatment of tuberculosis through the labs of Selman Waxman with streptomycin back in the 1940s, which really allowed for patients with tuberculosis to no longer have to be confined, confined to sanatoriums long term. And more recently, over the last 70 years, we've been committed to developing a number of different agents, many of which are new chemical entities to address various bacterial, fungal, parasitic, and more recently, antiviral uh, or viral infections that have plagued uh, mankind. This is all kind of on the backdrop as, as well in terms of Merck's uh, instrumental role in vaccine development. You know, when you think about it, Merck was very influential early on with the development of the first mumps vaccine and the first rubella vaccine and the development of MMR through the labs of Maurice Hillman here at Merck. That led ultimately to the development of the first uh, hepatitis B vaccine and uh, the vaccine against chickenpox for varicella. And we're very excited about even more recent developments of vaccines, including our human papillomavirus, which helps prevent the development of, uh, of cervical cancer. So, we're, we're happy to be, you know, one of a handful of large pharmaceutical companies that continue to have an active antibiotic and antifungal discovery and development programs, and we, we feel it's a, a critical area for which um, will remain an area of focus for our companies, and we will continue to invest both internally and externally in multiple development programs that will span everywhere from the early stages of discovery all the way out through late-stage development really critical to help uh, meet the unmet needs in terms of antimicrobial resistance in the world. Wow, incredible, Dr. Carsonis, because I'm sure half of the listeners out there were even unaware, including myself, of how far back uh, Merck Pharmaceutical um, has gone, you know, from has been in, involved in not only prevention and treatments. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Sure. Um, we understand that recently, Merck recently acquired Cubist Pharmaceuticals, and can you tell us more about what that means to the company, to the healthcare providers, and the patients? Sure. So, Cubist is, um, is a pharmaceutical company that has been a global leader in antibiotics and has really built a strong portfolio of both marketed and late-stage pipeline medicines. It's, it's a great example of how a company can build its entire existence around antibacterial agents. Um, through the, through the development of daptomycin, which is actually one of the two new scaffolds of antibacterial agents that have been developed in the last 30 years, Cubis has been able to uh, leverage that experience to 
um, really discover, develop, and supply antibiotics to treat serious and life-threatening uh, infections across a broad range of increasingly drug-resistant bacteria. Most recently, um, Cubist was instrumental in the development of two new antibacterial agents, both of which got approval in 2014. One of these, Tadizolid or Sevextro, is a, an exciting new oral and intravenous agent for the treatment of methicillin-resistant Staph aureus, or MRSA. And the other, Ceftolazine Tazobactam, or Zerbaxa, is a really incredible advance in terms of addressing gram-negative pathogens, and particularly its activity versus uh, pseudomonas infections, which are a major problem in the hospital setting. It has really been, um, been top-notch. I've already shared with you some of Merck's long history in terms of antibiotics. So, you know, we feel by combining Cubis expertise and Merck's strong capabilities and global reach, we think we're in a stronger position today, specifically in the hospital acute care business, to address critical areas of unmet medical need, whether those be in terms of antimicrobial resistance, in terms of C. difficile infection, or simply the need to sort of come up with new and innovative new medicines uh, for physicians and the patients they treat. Well, thank you very much, and congratulations on the acquisition and for the new medications that have been developed, and we wish you all the best with that. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, Dr. Cartsonis, we wanted to know, is how is Merck addressing the global antimicrobial resistance crisis that's in progress? Yeah, so, you know, obviously the rise in resistant infections has become one of the world's most pressing public health problems. As you know, the WHO, the President of the United States, the UK Minister um, and Prime Minister have all spoken to the concerns of, of, of rising um, uh, global antimicrobial resistance. Here in the United States alone, there will be 2 million infections this year that are caused by antibiotic-resistant bacteria, and deaths will approach over 30,000 this year as a result of, uh, of these infections. Um, at the same time, what I think is particularly scary is that organisms that historically in the past have been easily treated with the antibiotics that we have, have now come up with new and resistant mechanisms through their evolutions that really circumvent the current antibiotic armamentarium that we have. And so even those agents that we've historically reserved as sort of our last resort antibiotics are no longer able to treat these. So it's very scary when you, when you think about it. And as you know, as you think about it, technology advances, our communication and worldwide travel expands, our planet becomes smaller in terms of its global reach. And as a result of that, spread of organisms occurs more, more easily. And with all this in mind, we, we've been concerned as a pharmaceutical company that... Um, the commitment to infectious disease research by most big pharma has kind of dwindled. There's a variety of reasons for that, probably the, uh, the subject of a separate show in and of itself, but um, we are definitely committed to, to coming up with an approach to address this problem. And we're doing it in a multi-pronged way. First of all, we are maintaining active research and development programs to address unmet medical needs, as I mentioned earlier. Secondly, we believe that disease recognition is critical to the long-term success of, of identifying the problem, and to that end, we have an active program known as our Study for the Monitoring of Antimicrobial Resistant Trends, or SMART, that is a global program that monitors antibiotic resistance across multiple sites of infection. This program, which started in 2002, has now expanded to over 200 sites in 50 countries, 
And we are now moving this year into evaluating resistance in lung infections, similar to what we've done before with gut infections and kidney and urinary tract infections. We play a huge role as well in policy setting, whether it be in helping to inform how antibiotics are used in, are used in our culture, whether they be in agriculture or husbandry, in advocating for the improvement in regulatory guidance and, and incentives to support the acceleration of new antibiotics, as well as playing a significant role in helping to ensure we have the appropriate government policies in place that will encourage innovation, provide access, and ensure reimbursement. I think uh, I would be remiss if I didn't finally also mention that we have a mission to ensure that our products are used appropriately and judiciously. So um, one of the things that we're particularly proud of is a what's now become an award-winning, multifaceted antimicrobial stewardship program that we, we started out by piloting and developing an emerging world, uh, specifically in India and Colombia, and has now grown to 10 countries worldwide and 300 sites around the world. The gist of this program is to help uh, hospitals evaluate the use of antibiotics and adopt established principles for antimicrobial stewardship, Focusing in, you know, on their own hospital epidemiology, understanding the risk factors of the patients that are at their institutions, and coming up with treatment strategies that best help meet their own individual needs. Essentially, trying to find the right antibiotic to the, for the right patient at the right time. And, and we're proud of that effort because it's really not an effort that's focused on, on, on promoting our antibiotics, but really more about helping the world understand the problems that it has. Right. That's wonderful, Dr. Cartsonis. And we can't thank you enough for sharing that information with everybody. And congratulations on the SMART program and your uh, other programs that you have already have been set addressing the uh, antimicrobial and antibiotic stewardships. And with this, we are going to take a pause for a moment and take a quick commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing uh, Merck's current treatments, including Dipposite, to address C. diff infections with Dr. Cartsonis. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join us November 9th, 2015 for the Raising C. diff and Healthcare-Associated Infection Awareness Conference. This event will be chaired by Dr. Mark Wilcox, Professor of Medical Microbiology at the University of Leeds, UK, and hosted at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton Hotel in Boston, Cambridge. For more information about the event, call us toll-free at 1-844-4C-DIFF or register starting on April 1st through the website cdifffoundation.org forward slash upcoming events. Call 1-844-4C-DIFF, 1-844-367-2343. We look forward to meeting you on November 9th. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. To help support the C. diff Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll-free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. 
Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again are Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more. I'm your host, Nancy Karala, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We would like to welcome back Dr. Nicholas Kretsonis. And uh, before commercial break, Dr. Kretsonis was discussing Merck's history and the acquisition of Cubist, which brings deficit to your portfolio. Dr. Kretsonis, um, how does it fa- fit into the treatment landscape now with Merck? Oh, great. Thanks for asking uh, that question, Nancy. So, Difficid, um, orphidaxomycin, you know, is uh, a first of a new product in the treatment of C. difficile, probably has come to market in, in 25 years. It's, it's unique because it's, a, it, it's a specifically a macrocyclic antibiotic um, and has targeted potency against C. diff, which we think is really important because its activity is really focused just on C. diff and, and therefore has very little activity against many of the other organisms that normally reside in, in sort of our, our guts. Um, you're very familiar, obviously, with the phase three data that have come from two large studies that has confirmed its activity in first-line treatment of, of C. difficile-associated diarrhea or C. diff infection. And, you know, that efficacy was on the order of about 90% for the treatment of the initial infections, which was on par with uh, oral vancomycin tablets. But I think what's really fascinating about the data is, is when you actually look at the patients who then went on to develop recurrence, it was significantly reduced on the order of about 40 to 50% in the patients who were treated with uh, deficit as opposed to those who were treated with, with vancomycin. Um, with the recent acquisition of Cubist, um, one of the things we are doing with... Um, with, uh, with deficit is to actively communicate to healthcare providers about the appropriate use and benefit of deficit. <clears throat> we are actually in the midst of a, a relaunch, if you will, in terms of, of deficit, trying to get the information out to more and more healthcare pro- professionals in the United States. Um, in addition, we, we, we feel that our knowledge on deficit is, is not still fully complete, and we continue to try to do everything we can to expand the knowledge base for this particular, particular drug. One of the areas that um, we worry about, obviously, are infections, particularly in patients um, who are at very high risk, one of those being stem cell transplant or bone marrow transplants. And we actually have an active program right now, a phase three study, looking to see whether or not we can reduce the incidence of C. diff infections in stem cell transplant patients. And, you know, you never know with these kind, this kind of research if, if the study will be successful or not, but at the end of the day, we think it's important to continue this kind of work to try to um, advance, advance our knowledge about, about, about the field. At the same time, um, we're working very closely with our, our ex-U.S. partner, Estellas, to continue to promote and move forward the, the programs in pediatric use, um, trying to identify not only the proper dose for use in pediatric patients, but also establish efficacy and safety data for deficit in, in, in this younger age group. 
Um, we continue to think about potentially new study designs, one of which we've been in active conversations with the FDA about has been a study in patients with multiple prior recurrences of C. difficile. As you know, um, the earlier studies really focused on people who were suffering from their initial episode or their, their first recurrence and really trying to get to those patients who had second or, or, or further recurrences will be, will be key along the way. So there's a lot of work still going on with, uh, with deficit that, um, that we're, we're really excited about and we hope to continue to, to, to move forward. And I'm certain that you will. And we appreciate everything that you're doing with um, the deficit medication and relaunching it is a fantastic idea uh, to get it across the USA, especially with the in the right hands. And Dr. Cartsonis, can you explain to our listeners how deficit works differently from other antibiotics being used to treat C. diff infections and how it is less likely to cause a C. diff infection? Yeah, so, um, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, it, you know, we, we know that um, patients who are treated with vancomycin and metronidazole, about one in four who are treated for that initial episode of C. diff will then go on and develop a recurrence. Um, and those rates have been reduced with, uh, with adaxamycin relative to vancomycin. I, um, we recognize that uh, recurrence is a critical challenge for patients that suffer from this particular area. So, I mean, there's probably a lot of different ways by which deficit is exerting its effect. Uh, obviously, the direct effect is, is probably the most, the most important. We know that what it does is it blocks a key enzyme within the organism itself known as RNA polymerase, which helps make uh, it helps make the proteins the bacteria needs to live. Without those proteins, the bacteria essentially dies. Um, What's really neat about, um, about deficit is that it's highly selective. It only goes after C. diff. It doesn't go after all the other bugs that normally reside within, within our normal flora. And as a result of that, um, it, gives, it gives time for the gut to sort of repopulate itself in, in a patient who's been exposed to a C. difficile infection. Um, another n- interesting feature about the drug is that it has a very long post-antibiotic effect, which means that even when... Um, you stop giving the antibiotic to the patient, the, the antibiotic resides within the bacteria a very long time so that um, it's still causing an effect even long after um, measurable concentrations of the drug are no longer identified within the gut. I think um, there are some ancillary effects as well with de- deficit that probably bear mentioning. Um, for one thing, it's... Um, you know, I think one of the big problems we worry about with C. diff is the ability that it can spread very easily person to another, and a lot of that has to do with spore production and, and other features. And, and deficit particularly inhibits spore productions. Um, we've been able to show that in a number of different preclinical studies. And it also has a direct effect on the toxin itself. And the toxins, as, um, as we've learned, are, are really critical in terms of sort of allowing for the infection to continue to propagate and particularly be involved with, with recurrences. So it, it's really a, a, a variety of different mechanisms that ultimately help explain why more patients will remain sort of symptom-free after a course of uh, fidaxomycin for 30 days relative to those receiving vancomycin. That's wonderful, and that's such key information for everybody, uh, both um, healthcare providers and patients themselves. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. 
Um, at the CDF Foundation, uh, Dr. Carsominus, we receive a lot of calls and emails each day regarding this medication deficit. One of the most frequent questions from patients and their families is if there is a patient assistance program. Uh, can you share any information regarding that with our listeners today? Sure. So, um, you know, obviously Merck is very committed to ensuring that the patients who will benefit from our medicines have uh, immediate access to them. And we actually do have a support program known as Access Deficit, um, which is intended really for patients who've been prescribed deficit tablets. And the way it works is we, uh, we actually pair up uh, case managers with, uh, with patients who have C. difficile infection to obtain information about their out-of-pocket costs as well as their copay assistant options and insurance benefits to determine if they may be indeed eligible to save on the cost of the prescription of the deficit tablets. Um, we also, as part of this program, um, have information made available about where local pharmacies are stocking deficit as well as different options by which uh, overnight deliveries of deficit can be made available to the patient in the event that um, there are not any local pharmacies to meet to meet the need. Um, you know, we, you know, as we as we bring Cubist into the fold with Merck, and we we learn more about our patients' needs going forward. We'll continue to refine the program uh, assistance program or the patient assistance program to meet the needs of uh, of, of the community. So, more information uh, in case any of the viewers are interested is available on the internet at www.accessdeficit. That's a c c e s s d i f i c i d dot com, accessdeficit.com, where patients can, um, you know, obviously learn more about the program and access an enrollment form if needed. That's fantastic, and uh, I think the uh, healthcare providers can also. Uh, I don't know if the website's open. Is the www.dipsid.com? Yes, that is. A, that that website is also available, and we'll you know we'll de- redirect patients as need be to the new Merck site. But it's it's available. Wonderful. I appreciate that, and I'm sure our listeners do too. And very briefly, um, Dr. Kasominis, can you share with the uh, listeners, um, you as a physician, the perspective of managing uh, the challenges of a C. diff infection? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously C. diff is, is a really devastating infection to patients who suffer from this condition. And it, it, it's really unfortunate that the folks who actually end up getting C. diff infection are really... Um, Many of those who at least can afford to get it, the advanced age, you know, underlying cancer, recent surgery, underlying immune compromise. I think it pains a lot of healthcare providers and physicians to see individuals who are really already hurting from one disease to be inflicted by another one. Um, I think C. diff is, is particularly emotionally tolling and, and guilt um, in, in, you know, providing infection for physicians because it's an infection that often has occurred because of something that... A, uh, you know, um, that we've done to patients, so to speak, um, using antibiotics um, to often to patients to treat an underlying infection predisposes particularly to individuals who are colonized with C. diff or are exposed to C. diff spores from suffering this infection. So unfortunately, you know, it is a, it's a little maddening because what, you know, the way we treat it is we take patients who've been given an antibiotic and cause this infection to get more antibiotics. So it sets up a a vicious cycle, so to speak, in terms of, of, of the way it works. And so, obviously, you know, we're very interested in, in learning and exploring sort of non-antibiotic ways to address C. difficile. And, um, and clearly, anything we can do to, to help in the, in the prevention of C. difficile infections and ensure stewardship of this disease, I think, will be important long term. 
Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. Kratzonis. And we're going to take a, a pause here for a moment for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue our discussion with Dr. Nicholas Kratzonis and Merck's ongoing research and development to address C. diff infections. Thank you so much. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. To help support the C. diff foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll-free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Join us November 9, 2015 for the Raising C. diff and Healthcare-Associated Infection Awareness Conference. This event will be chaired by Dr. Mark Wilcox, Professor of Medical Microbiology at the University of Leeds, UK, and hosted at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton Hotel in Boston, Cambridge. For more information about the event, Call us toll-free at 1-844-4C-DIFF or register starting on April 1st through the website cdifffoundation.org forward slash upcoming events. Call 1-844-4C-DIFF, 1-844-367-2343. We look forward to meeting you on November 9th. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to c diff spores and more if you have a question please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org now back to our program here again are nancy karala and dr chandra bali ghosh welcome back to c diff spores and more I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We would like to welcome back Dr. Nicholas Kartsonis. And Dr. Kartsonis has been discussing uh, Merck's uh, commercial, before commercial break, discussing how Dipacid works differently from other antibiotics. And we thank you so much for sharing that vital information with our listeners today, Dr. Kartsonis. Sure. Uh, we're going to move right along and and discuss with you about um, how you can provide with us the information on how Merck's research and development for C. diff infections is going. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we thank you for, thank you for that question. So um, I think I mentioned before the break about um, the work we're doing to better understand uh, the value of deficit um, studies in prophylaxis, pediatrics, patients suffering from multiple recurrences are sort of paramount in these efforts. In addition, we, we continue to support real-world effectiveness studies and registries and health economic studies to better understand sort of the, the value that deficit can bring to the, to the patients that suffer from this, uh, from this, the, 
this horrible infection. At the same time, you know, we, we have active products in our pipeline, so to speak, with regard to C. diff. Um, one agent that um, we're very excited about are the monoclonal antibodies um, that are targeted against C. difficile. Um, this is MK3415A. And they work by going up against the two key toxins that are involved in C. diff, toxin A and toxin B. It's a unique approach. It's a biologic approach that attempts to prevent recurrence of C. difficile infection by taking a sort of novel, non-antibiotic approach to the epidemic. At the same time, we have serotomycin, which is um, an antibiotic um, similar in, in structure to daptomycin that works um, and would be used as a, as a potential treatment option from C. diff. It was part of the... Um, uh, the por- came with the portfolio with the uh, with the Cubis acquisition. So a lot of ongoing work that we have even in in late stages of our pipeline to to address the C. difficile epidemic. So very excited to to see those programs move forward. That's amazing, and we are very happy for you also. And um, Dr. Katsonis, are there any pediatric studies right now in progress with deficit? Yeah, so that we actually do have a bunch of um, studies ongoing with uh, with deficit. We recently completed a study to evaluate the dose um, regimen for for deficit in pediatrics, and we're taking that information and putting it into a, a an efficacy and safety study that is being led by our our U.S. our ex U.S. partner Estellas um, in a in a study to evaluate the efficacy and safety in kids pretty much down to um, the ages of six months of age with um, with C. difficile infection. As you know, um, pediatric uh, Pediatric patients can get C. diff, um, and it tends to occur a little bit after their, their first or second uh, year of birth, um, but uh, it can be a devastating infection to kids just as it can be in adults. Right, exactly, and we have such few avenues to travel when we're mm-hmm. treating the pediatric uh, population. So that would be uh, a positive for uh, a pediatric deficit Yes, and, and you know we're we're actually focusing on a, a new formulation that um, would be easier for the kids to to take, obviously, because as you know, tablets become somewhat problematic as 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 kids get below the age of seven or or six because of their ability to to swallow. Right, exactly. You had mentioned the MK three forty one five A, and can you tell us uh, what have clinical studies to date shown with that product? Sure. So um, it's actually a really neat product. As I mentioned, it's an investigational combination of antibodies against the two key toxins, toxin A and toxin B. Um, And it's pretty much a a great story about uh, learning how you can learn from the pathogenesis of a disease to target your therapy to it. Um, It's actually some wonderful work that came out of the lab of Lauren Pine and Kieran Kelly from uh, Beth Israel. Uh, deaconess at Harvard that was published in 2000 that actually showed that um, why some patients go on and develop C. difficile while, while others don't. And what they found pretty clearly is that if you take a group of patients that are colonized with C. difficile, the ones that actually go on and develop C. difficile are those who do not generate a sufficient immune response, i.e. good antibodies against the two toxins that are critical to the infection. They took their work even a step further and found that if you look at those people who who have an infection and then go on and develop a second infection or recurrent infection, again, it's those patients who um, cannot mount a sufficient immune response, uh, cannot develop sufficient antibody response, who then go on and and develop that second episode. So 
if you can come up with a therapy that um, ultimately provides um, sufficient antibody response to patients, that would be, would be great. Unfortunately, as you know, Nancy, a lot of the patients who develop C. difficile are older. And, um, you know, over half the patients will be, will be elderly and defined over by the age of 65. So, you know, passively giving those folks um, monoclonal antibodies is a way to sort of circumvent that. And we've been able to show um, through the work of, of several companies that um, um, Merck, um, subsequently licensed uh, the monoclonals from, which were the Massachusetts Biological Laboratories and Medirex, that if you give a single infusion of these monoclonal antibodies, so basically a one-hour infusion to patients. At the time, they're also getting their metronidazole and or vancomycin for C. diff. You can reduce their rates of C. difficile recurrence significantly. Um, in, in the phase two study that was done, it reduced at 72% over a 12-week period, which is pretty, pretty fascinating data when you think about it. Now, mind you, it was a small study. It was done at a few centers. We are now in the midst of, of working through our large phase three program which will take the data that we learned from those 200 patients that were enrolled in that phase two study and look at it across 2,500 patients, um, which will be, you know, 250 sites, 30 countries to complete the study. The good news is, is we've now um, uh, finished enrolling the studies. We are sort of in the uh, follow-up phase as we, as we speak, and we hope to be reporting results from these studies later this year. Okay, then I think you just answered my next question, which was how long is it going to take before you have additional data on the MK3415A? Yeah, so I, I you know, I think um, our, our, our intent is ultimately at, um, to present the data later this year at a scientific conference um, once we've had a chance to kind of look at the results and examine them and evaluate them accordingly. So, um, you know, with that in mind, um, we think the first step will be to, to share the data with the, with the medical community, and then subsequent to that, we would, we would if, if the data support, work with the regulatory authorities around the world to try to bring, uh, bring the monoclonal antibodies to the market, um, provided, of course, that both the efficacy and safety data are favorable. Right. Well, that's wonderful. That's really great news to hear. Congratulations on that advancement. Thank you. And um, Dr. Cardsonis, can you provide an update on other products that you have in development at this time? Yeah, so um, we actually have a large number of programs at Merck that are in phase three or phase two development, over 15 right now, and a number that are specifically focused in infectious diseases, one of which is um, an interesting compound that uh, we're pairing with an antibiotic that's been on the market for a long time, uh, imipenem. And what we're doing is we're adding a beta-lactamase inhibitor to that beta-lactamase antibiotic. And it's a very complicated way of me saying that what we're ultimately trying to do is take this great antibiotic, imipenem, and sort of restore it to a time when um, resistance was not as, as prevalent. And we are finishing up phase two in that program right now, and we're actually working towards moving it into phase three. What I think is really exciting about this program is it's actually going to address um, several unmet needs in the gram-negative uh, bacteria space, specifically around pseudomonas as well as around the treatment of carbapenemase-causing uh, organisms, um, which have been identified as a, as a major threat uh, or an urgent threat to the, to the CDC. We still are very active in developing um, tadizolid and ceftolazane tazobactam. As I mentioned, those were two drugs that were approved by Cubist um, last year. We are doing pneumonia studies for each of these two studies, and we have active pediatric programs for those studies, and we continue to evaluate whether or not there are other indications worthy of, of pursuit in that realm. 
This is on top of all the other work we're doing um, to help support um, development in infectious diseases. We have active program for cytomegalovirus and the prevention of, of this disease in transplant patients. We have active programs in HIV as well as hepatitis C. And, and um, we're very excited about what our infectious disease portfolio can, can, can bring to Merck. Now, that, of course, also doesn't account for the great work that my colleagues in the vaccines department are doing to help uh, move forward the development of, of, of prevention of, of, of infections through, through vaccines approach. So if any of your listeners are interested, uh, they can find more details about our ongoing clinical studies at uh, www.clinicaltrials.gov. Fantastic. And with that, Dr. Kratzonis, we're going to pause for a moment for a brief commercial break. And when we return, we will continue our discussion in how Merck is addressing infectious disease. Thank you and stay tuned. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join us November 9, 2015 for the Raising C. diff and Healthcare-Associated Infection Awareness Conference. This event will be chaired by Dr. Mark Wilcox, Professor of Medical Microbiology at the University of Leeds, UK, and hosted at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton Hotel in Boston, Cambridge. For more information about the event, call us toll-free at 1-844-4C-DIFF or register starting on April 1st through the website cdifffoundation.org forward slash upcoming events. Call 1-844-4C-DIFF, 1-844-367-2343. We look forward to meeting you on November 9th. To help support the C. Diff Foundation, please visit our website cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll-free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again are Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Welcome back to C. diff Spores and More. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We would like to welcome back Dr. Nicholas Kratzonis, who has been sharing information and discussing uh, information before commercial break on Merck's research and development for C. difficile. It's great news to know that Merck is focused on C. diff research and development, uh, developing new medications to prevent and treat this life threatening infection. Thank you for sharing the information with us today, Dr. Kurtzomenis. Sure. Thank you for having me, Nancy. Oh, it's our pleasure. And would you be able to discuss uh, any C. diff stewardships that might be in progress at this time? Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, thank you for, for, for reaching out to me about the whole question about stewardship. I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a huge interest in 
in development of antibiotic stewardship programs. As you know, the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology, or PCAST, has actually recommended that we, that, you know, as a country, we should be setting forth regulatory requirements for antimicrobial stewardship that should be in place before, uh, before the end of 2017 in, in U.S. hospitals. And it's actually part of the reason why um, Merck is very interested in, in, in the hospital segment. Um, the acute care hospital segment is actually one of uh, four key priority areas in our company, together with uh, vaccines, oncology, and diabetes. And, um, we think you know we can be a true leader in this field in terms of help helping to set this pace. And so, the question is why are we why are we so interested in hospitals and and stewardship to begin with? Well, you know when you think about it, hospitals are a, a hub of healthcare delivery around the world. And, you know, even though we've done great work to try to move a lot of care outside of the hospital setting, we still spend 25% of our, our hospital gross national product on, on healthcare spend within the hospital setting. And what's sad about that is, you know, a lot of that is driven by the fact that patients develop hospital-acquired infections. One in every 20 patients that get into a hospital is going to develop a hospital-acquired infection, and each one of those infections is going to cost them, on the average, about $43,000. It's going to increase their length of stay, on the average, about 19 days. It's going to have a huge, enormous um, toll on our, on our health economy in that regard. So anything we can do, um, whether it be a pharmaceutical company, you know, our government, our, our, our policies, to reduce healthcare infections would have a notable impact. Just reducing them 20% in the hospital could save on the order of about 10 million hospital days um, within any one year. Um, so it's, it's an area that um, I think is, it, is critical and, and we should be focused on. It's also an area that we're not used to thinking about um, when we think about drugs, right? Because, um, you, know, it, you know, part of my job in the world of developing drugs is to try to bring new drugs to market where patients can use them. But at the same time, we have to be smart about using our drugs and not use, using them inappropriately. And teaching people to use antibiotics appropriately and, and, um, and uh, thinking about it in that way is, is really critical, not only to prevent resistance, but also to help think about C. diff as well. So what about stewardship and C. diff? Um, the agents we use to treat C. diff, um, as you know, are all oral agents. Um, but what's interesting is that 50% of all the use of C. diff occurs in a hospital setting, um, mostly as a result of these sort of hospital-acquired or nosocomial uh, C. difficile infections that occur. And a patient who develops a C. difficile in the hospital is, you know, threefold more likely to stay in the hospital longer, and the costs associated are, are apt to triple as well. So anything we can do to develop a stewardship program that tailors um, the prevention and treatment um, of C. difficile infections in the hospital setting would be, would, be, would be enormous. Think about what they were able to do in the United Kingdom. Um, they made several measures, some of which are things we do here in the U.S., like hand washing, environmental cleaning. But they coupled that with restricting the use of just two antibiotics, um, one of which was ciprofloxacin, the other which of which was uh, cephalosporins. And by, by doing that, they were able to significantly reduce their C. difficile infections by about 60%. If we could do a similar measure here in the U.S. as was done in the U.K., we could have a notable impact. There was actually just a publication that came out this weekend by the CDC, um, Drs. Jernigan's and Donald and others that showed that 
if, if we just did about half as well as they did in the UK, we could prevent about a half a million infections and about 80,000 deaths over a five-year period. Um, and that would have about a $2.5 billion um, savings to, to the government. So clearly, um, Merck is committed to figuring out ways about how, how that can be done. We look forward to working with the Center of Disease Control, the government, and and, and other policymakers here in the United States to think about how we uh, how we best address this this problem of and and really want physicians and, and clinicians around the world to start thinking about C diff in the context in the context of stewardship like they think about it for uh, antimicrobial resistance. Wow, that's incredible! And yes, and uh, the stewardship programs are very important. And thank you so much for sharing that information with us. And Dr. Katsonis, uh, according to a recent study published in the Clinical Infectious Diseases, shortage, shortages of key antibiotics from 2001 to 2013, including our gold standard therapies and drugs used to treat highly resistant infections, are on the rise. How is Merck working to address this? Yeah, and I, I think this is a, a really great question because, you know, we have to be thinking about what are going to be the, the resistant concerns, not so much today, but five to ten years from now. It reminds me of, um, you know, what, what, what Wayne Gretzky said about hockey. You know, you don't, you, you, you don't skate to where the puck is, you skate to where the puck is going. And, you know, when we think about... Um, you know, a pipeline and, and antibiotics, we really need to be thinking in that way. There are certain resistant mechanisms we have today, and there are ones that are just now beginning to sort of come to, to, to the forehead. It's those that are really the ones that are small right now, but are, are really the, the ones that we should be worried about um, moving forward. So where we've been focused in terms of, you know, our, our pipeline and what have you has been what, what are the areas that are not going to be addressed today or will be addressed in the next three years, but are really the areas that we are going to need antibiotics for five years from now or 10 years from now or 15 years from now? Um, we've done pretty well in terms of addressing things like pseudomonas and um, extended spectrum beta-lactamase inhibitor, um, beta-lactamase organisms or ESBL organisms as they're known. But what, what the world need now is... Um, you know, there there's some nasty bugs that we're seeing that are, are developing, some of which are initiating in, in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as things like acetobacter that we're seeing in, in military battles and, and different hospital settings around the world that we really need to be focused on. And really, those are the areas that we're thinking about in terms of, of our pipeline. And um, we'll continue to evolve. I mean, just like the bugs are going to evolve, we have to continue to evolve as a uh, as, as, as pharmaceutical companies as well as, as physicians and clinicians and researchers around the world in terms of, um, in terms of this, this epidemic. Because one thing's for certain, the bugs are going to figure out a way to circumvent the, the antibiotics. So the day we give up on antibiotic research is the day, you know, we're sort of lost. And so I don't want to move back to the pre-antibiotic arena, you know, era. So, um, worry about my kids and their kids and anything we can do to, to continue to be thinking about antibiotic resistance moving forward is going to be critical. Absolutely. And we joined the CDC in November uh, when they have their campaign, the Get Smart campaign, and just trying to educate our listeners and, and everybody about knowing about when to take an antibiotic and antibiotics do not treat viruses. Um, it's like you said, the right dose, the right, 
uh, treatment and just to become educated on antibiotic usage. I think that's really critical because, you know, we... We, we, we have to realize that, um, you know, though it may think like we're treating ourselves when we, when we have the sniffles or the cold, an antibiotic really is not the best thing to do, either for that patient or for everyone else who's then going to be exposed to that patient in the future. So um, we have an obligation, I think, not only to ourselves, but also to our families and our friends and our communities to, to all be responsible for our, uh, our antibiotic use. And, and if we, I think if we do all work together and we think about things in, uh, in creative and unique ways, and like I said earlier, um, you know, the right patient with the right, bug, right drug for the right patient at the right time, I think we can try to, you know, sort of curtail this epidemic that we're, we're, we're facing. Exactly. And thank you so much for that. And Dr. Cartsonis, um, would you like to add any closing comments at this time? Um, Nancy, thank you so much for, um, for having me on the show today. It's been, uh, it's been really great. Um, we, you know, Merck obviously remains very committed to the field of, of antibiotic research. It's, uh, it's not an easy one. It's not one that's, um, that's, that's a glorified one. It's not one that um, ultimately will, will be the highest of revenue producing in terms of, of what it is. But at the end of the day, um, we need antibiotics. And anything, um, you know, I can do and our companies can do to kind of uh, continue to stay in this field and, and, and sort of spread the word in terms of, of how important it is to use antibiotics and how important it is that we continue to invest in antibiotics, I think is going to be, uh, be critical for, for many generations to come. Exactly. And like you said, we're all in it together. We all, it's, it's everybody's responsibility. And um, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Katsonis. And uh, again, we thank you for discussing Merck's history in infectious disease and their ongoing research, plus some of the company's current treatments, including the deficit to address the C. diff infections. Uh, we're going to close this show. And if you have missed any of today's episode, you can always return to the show page and access the program podcast and listen to them at your leisure. Join us next week with our guest Shelby Lassiter, infection preventionist, as we discuss the many ways of eliminating C. diff spores in the home environment and how to stay safe during the home treatment of a C. diff infection. As always, we dedicate this and every episode to fellow C. diff survivors worldwide to every patient and their families combating a C. diff infection. Never lose hope. And remember, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together, as uh, Dr. Kortzonis just had said. So we thank you again for joining us today. And until next week, please try to have a good day. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your hosts, Nancy and Dr. Ghosh, again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us could do this alone. All of us could do this together. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.